I know it's that time of year again, tax season. But getting your taxes done by a real person, not an automated website, makes it so much easier. But how do you even find the time to actually meet with a real accountant? That's why I'm excited to tell you about a fully virtual tax preparation experience called Relax Tax by Sagan Financial Group. Just submit your tax information safely and securely online to be reviewed and processed by one of their tax specialists. No unnecessary appointments, no calls unless you request one, completely on your terms. And best of all, listeners of Crime Over Wine get 10% off Relax Tax by Sagan Financial Group. Just go to relaxedtax.com, that's R-E-L-A-X-E-D-T-A-X.com, and use coupon code CRIMEOVERWINE in the tax client intake form. Sagan Financial Group is a local Chattanooga business serving all 50 states, and part of the proceeds will go directly to supporting this show. Again, that coupon code is CRIMEOVERWINE for 10% off Relax Tax by Sagan Financial Group. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 35th episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a meteorologist, a Chattanooga, and a cat dad, all wrapped up into one. My cat guest co-host this week is Clay Smith. Hello, Clay. Hey, Liam. I've been, uh, I've been waiting for this for quite some time. So happy to finally be on the podcast, episode 35 feel like that's my lucky number. Yeah, and, you know, 35 weeks he's been texting me every week. When am I going to be on? When am I going to be on? When am I going to be on? So, you know, it just has not left me alone. So I, like, kind of had to give in at some point. So, no, so glad you're here. So I know we've been waiting for this for a long time, <laughs> about this for a long time. So I'm so glad you're finally doing this. So Clay and I first met at a news station right here in Chattanooga. He was the weather dude. And he also worked in Greenville, Mississippi, and has ties to South Carolina and Alabama, too. So, like, a whole southern boy. Um, now he works um, for an uh, logistics here in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Yeah, that's right, Liam. Uh, A Southern boy through and through. (laughs) Grew up in uh, South Carolina, moved around a bit, went to college, of course, in Alabama, South Alabama, jumped around to Mississippi, landed up here in Chattanooga, the scenic city, and City, fell in love with it honestly yeah well there you go and so um i know his like wife is like right in the other room she's more like the true crime girly so like um if you like hear somebody like, <laughs> like shouting out like injecting stuff it's probably her just fair warning um so this week we are drinking clean slate's riesling mm. it's from moselle germany and it's called clean slate because of the region's steep slate hills and winding rivers which they say are essential to ripening grapes in a cool climate like germany it has flavors of fresh peach, crisp lime, and subtle mineral. And I've never had a German wine, um, and so I'm really interested to see how this one kind of rolls about. I think this is my first two, and to be 100% honest with you, I'm not even really sure what a slate hill is, so I'll have to yeah. do some research on that. Yeah, so you'll see on the front, so like it's like a bunch of like stacked like like flat rocks like on the okay. label, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. In fact, let's let's look it up. Okay. Yeah, that definitely looks like a, a slate hill here on the label. So. Okay. So what I'm getting here is so like a slate rock. You know what a slate rock is, I'm sure, right? And so what I'm getting here, in fact, I'll send you the picture. Um, is just like a bunch of slate rocks, like on a hill. It's like kind of weird, but like I feel like I've seen them kind of before, but like not really. Okay, so it's pretty self-explanatory then. Yeah, I feel like it's um it's pretty like 
you know, I, like, it kind of, like, once you see it, I, f- I think you're going to be like, oh, like, that's a Slate Hill. Like, you know? Yeah, when you see it, you know what it is. Like, right. that's exactly. totally Slate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, okay, well, like, without further ado, let's just, like, go for the wine, because I am be- I'm begging to, to figure out what a German wine tastes like. So here we go. Oh, this that's just a beautiful sound. I know. I love that sound. It's probably my favorite sound in the world. Actually, my second favorite sound in the world, this, my favorite sound is the cork popping out. But this is a twist off wine, um, which I say I will die on the hill of, um, you know, bottles or wineries that sell wines with that you twist off instead of pop off are missing out on tons of money because I would probably spend 10 extra dollars on a bottle of wine just to hear the cork. Amen. I'm not even joking about that. Yeah, seriously. Great sound. But thanks so much for, for coming on, Clay. Cheers to you. Cheers. Get a taste. Ooh, very sweet. It's almost, <clears throat> to me, it's very similar to uh, a Moscato. Mm-hmm. Well, Riesling is like a little drier than a Moscato. So like and like barely, but yeah, it's very it's very very sweet. And I'm getting a whole lot of lime here for sure. Like yeah, that, like that flavor is coming out big time. Let me get another taste. Yeah, I need one more. I'm getting the lime. Oh, it's a little dry. Yes, I, I get it's drier than than a moscato. So it's good yeah. though. I like it. Yeah, and I listen like every like everyone who listens to podcasts. I say it every single week. Dry wines are me, right? Like we're the same, and so like this is like you know again much 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 like a complete opposite of my <laughs> like taste palette typically. Um, but if you're listening to this podcast and we're just or like we're like begging me to do like a sweet wine and like recommend a sweet wine for you, this is. This is probably this is one you're you're gonna want to go for. Yeah. I think this is it's definitely it's 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 you know sweet, but it's really not too overwhelming. Actually, like I could definitely see this, um, you know, for just like a night out on the porch kind of thing. Like oh, that's yeah. kind of the vibe I'm getting for this. Like a little chit chat. Like if that's kind of kind of you know the way you like to enjoy your wine, I feel like that's where you're gonna want to go. A little chit chat, and uh, I think it would pair well with really any chicken dish i'm, I'm feeling mm-hmm. that would be pretty superb well um this is a sweet wine but definitely not like a sweet story we're talking about like Uh-oh. at all complete opposite of of this of kind of how i would like picture like a case that would pair well with this wine um this is like the complete opposite of what we're talking about so um let's get there clay what do you think let's do it i'm, I'm ready to dive in yeah me too big time i can't wait to tell you about this because i have not been able to stop thinking about this since i heard about it so let's get there so this week i want to tell you probably you know one of the top five most perplexing and confusing cases that i have ever heard of it happened just down the road from where we're staying right now clay just outside of atlanta georgia and the details of this case are equal parts disturbing and frustrating. This week, I want to tell you about Russell and Shirley Dermond and the Lake Oconee murders. Russell and Shirley Dermond had spent 60-plus years building a life together. They were happily married, a true example of what it means to grow old with somebody. They were married on December 15, 1950, and had four kids and nine grandkids together. Russell was a World War II Navy veteran who had semi-retired from being a clock manufacturer in the New York City area where they had both lived, but they moved to Atlanta in the mid-1990s to be closer to their children who had all moved down 
South. Their daughter lived in North Carolina, two of their sons had moved to Florida, and their fourth son was living in Atlanta. The couple had operated multiple Hardee's franchises around Atlanta, but ended up officially retiring and moving to Putnam County, Georgia, just about 70 miles southeast of Atlanta. They had bought this house in a gated community right on Lake Oconee for almost three quarters of a million dollars. It was gorgeous, in a wooded area, nice and private. They had a dock, and the couple had bought a boat even, and were just, you know, truly just living it up in their retirement. By the time 2014 had rolled around, the home was valued at upwards of a million dollars, but they had sold the boat as they got older and were using and were using it less and less. Okay, so they were living a, quite the nice life, like living out their retirement, mm-hmm. enjoying themselves close to family. I love that. Right. Yeah, everything that you like picture, like you know, a couple in like their eighties, is kind of you know, like how how you want your your retirement to go, right? Like live by the water, you know, mm. do whatever, like live in this nice home, this nice neighborhood, like clo- like you said, close to family. Like it just felt like that, like you know, it was just you know, and kind of what I picture is just like you know, two people who just like you know, stuck to themselves, like stuck to that routine and like, you know, just very much so like did everything, you know, as you know, without making too much of a splash. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they were just grinding, enjoying life together. I mean, they had a boat. We all look for a friend with a boat. That's important during the summer. Right. And they were, they were those people. And, um, yeah, I've never been to Lake. It's Oconee, right? Yeah, Lake Oconee. Yeah, I've never been to that lake, but I know there's some beautiful lakes down there. So I'm sure they were just. Oh, yeah. I mean, valued it upwards of a million dollars, which in today's yeah. market, that's probably what three, four, five. Uh, at the, well, that so it was valued at a million dollars in 2014. So ten years later, probably like yeah, probably close to two. If I if I had to two, guess, three, I'm not a yeah. real estate person. I know you are, but <laughs> yeah, that would but, wow. That's. That's crazy. I, I'm I'm very yeah. interested to see where this is going to go because I haven't read up on this at all. So this is all coming at me fresh and raw. So mm-hmm. let's let's get into yeah. it. Well, let's get there. So in May of 2014, Russell and Shirley were 88 and 87 respectively, and were really enjoying their retirement by you know like we were talking about doing everything that they loved. Russell was a golfer, a reader, and loved to walk around the neighborhood. Shirley was usually playing crossword puzzles, working in the garden, or playing bridge, but they weren't slowing down by any means. On May 3rd, the couple was due to show at a Kentucky Derby party, and I truly picture, you know, the big hats and the big, the bright colors, the works for this wash party. Now, the party was being held at a neighbor's house just a few houses down from their own. This was a yearly tradition for their friends to gather and watch the derby, you know, like a lot of people do. So, you know, it was odd when the party was starting at 6 p.m. and they were late. Russell and Shirley were sticklers for timing, so them being just a few minutes late was just simply not like them. But what was even more odd for them was them not showing up to the party at all. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're a punctual person, like, I like to be on time, mm-hmm. um, at most a few minutes late. Um, but, yeah, I could see, you know, I feel like this is how a lot of those uh, true ca- crime stories start right. out. Like, someone didn't show up, mm-hmm. or they're late, or... Well, obviously, in this case, they're 
probably not going to make it, but you know, I don't, I don't know yet. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, th- I think, and we've talked about it again, like before on this podcast, like, like people's routines are so important and like everyone has their routines. Right. And like, even if it's not necessarily like a routine in terms of like, at this time you're here and at this time you're here kind of thing, yeah. like you have like a, be- like a set of behaviors that, that you follow, right? Like you're always on time, you know, I'm always like at least 30 minutes late. And so like I, yes. <laughs> so, you know, me showing me or, you know, showing up 30 minutes late or, you know, not showing up at all, like super not unlike me in any way but like if they are the type of people who you know if they are two minutes late like they're sending text messages saying oh my god i'm so sorry that and you know like and they're not showing up like and it's beyond that point like you know that that that's off and so i i just say you know that all that to say like if somebody's like you know this is like a psa to everyone out there like if somebody's even the tiniest bit outside of their routine like that should be a red flag for you um because if and if again if you if that person always does x and they're not doing x like that's weird and so you need like that should be setting off those alarm bells yeah absolutely but you know if you're you're having dinner with liam and he's 30 minutes late that's kind of that's okay you know we, ex- we expect yeah, that more normal. Us, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like two hours late and it's just like, oh, oops, you know. Oh, as long well, as you get you there, know, that's all that matters. Yeah, as long as I get there. And I usually say, hey, like running two hours late, to be fair. But, you know. Yeah, so. communication is um, key. But <laughs> as the days went as the days went on with still no sign of Russell and Shirley and no apology or explanation as to why they didn't show up to the party, their friends start to get really weirded out, suspicious and nervous. And so on May 6th, three days after this party was scheduled, when they still hadn't heard from Russell or Shirley, the neighbors walk over to their home to check on them. They find the door unlocked. And so they shout out to announce themselves. And when they didn't hear a response, they walk in and the home was eerily still, nothing out of place, exactly how they would have expected to find their friend's home. Except, as they look around the house and they feel their way into the garage, they find the couple's two cars exactly in their places. But when they enter and peek between the cars, they find something shocking and horrifying. The friends find Russell dead on the floor of the garage and surrounded by blood and towels soaking up the blood too. Now, they know it's Russell because they recognize him enough, of course, but the truly gruesome detail about their discovery is that his head had been cut clean off of his body and it was nowhere to be found. Uh, what? Okay, yeah, that is, I I didn't expect that, um, but three days? Um, three days. Yeah, and, like, yeah, I definitely glossed over that way too much. Like, again, we're talking, like, and, like, if this was, like, 1980 and, like, the people didn't see, you know, didn't see someone for three days, like, okay. Because, like, again, before social media, all this stuff, but, like, 2014 and you don't notice your neighbor who's just, like, two houses down has just, like, not been around for three days. And, like, again, like, you knew that they were supposed to be at this party and, like, didn't, you know, like, they didn't show and, like, you're it's, it's just not like clicking for you like i don't know like again i just can't imagine like not like like not, yeah. like having like a neighbor or a friend and like not seeing them for three days that like who i see regularly and like just not like having that not be an alarm bell like until three days later i think for me like just not coming to the party obviously and not giving like any kind of mm-hmm. notification that hey you know we're not going to be able to make it tonight right obviously that or an apology hey sorry couldn't make it yeah sure. yeah because if they're punctual then they're probably also sure. going to be very good about communication and like hey you know mm-hmm. we're not going to make it tonight but three days seems like a long period of time i mean what that's 72 hours to not 
check in, which I understand, like, people have their own lives, they're busy, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah, yeah, and, like, to give them the benefit of the doubt, like, I guess, like, they're older, and so, like, maybe the thought was, like, okay, like, you know, I'm sure they're not big on texting, you know, the, that generation, like, sure, um, but, like, like, may, I don't know, like, like, to not be too invasive, you know, I guess, in terms of just, like, okay, well, maybe they had, like, some sort of emergency, like, Maybe they fell, you know what yeah. I mean? Like maybe, like maybe they had to go to the hospital, that kind of thing, because they're older. So I don't know. I guess I could see like a little bit of that expectation of privacy, you know, for them. But still, like I don't know if 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 like all these things are like looking weird. It's it's weird, right? Like mm-hmm. if it looks like a duck, t- walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a freaking duck. Yeah, it's a duck. And so like this is yeah, this is like not to like blame it too much on them. Like obviously they had nothing to do with this, as far as I'm aware. But I don't know. Oh man, that's just to walk in on that. That's I can't even. I can't fathom that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the head too, right? I mean, again, like, you know, you see, like, I can't imagine, like, you know, how, like, nightmares for the rest yeah, of your life, right? Like, period. Yeah, big time. Um, So, like, I don't know. And again, like, I'm sure they were expecting to walk in on literally anything else except for that, right? Yeah, that's, I, I don't even know how I would react to something like that. I've never seen anything like that. So. I would throw up. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah big time. So, you know, of course, they immediately call 911, and when police get there, they find the same thing that the neighbors do. Russell Derman's lifeless, headless body lying in a pool of his own blood. They also said that it appeared as though Russell had been moved by at least a foot after he had died. The towels that I mentioned earlier, police said, were arranged in such a way that would stop the blood from dripping to the garage door. So police said that whoever did this to Russell likely did this to try and buy them some time since blood dripping from the garage would surely alert people outside of the home. Police said that Russell was likely decapitated post-mortem and can't initially figure out a cause of death for Russell and even to this day have not made that determination definitively, but they do get a pretty good idea. They find gunshot residue on Russell's collar, which leads police to believe that Russell may have been shot in the back of the head before the perpetrator decapitated him. This is, uh, this is a lot to unpack. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so... Wow. So they really put some effort into this. Do you think this was uh, something that they had, was premeditated? or? So I actually think the complete opposite. I think that the, a lot of this feels very reactive to me mm-hmm. only because it's like, so you kill somebody um, and then all of a sudden, like it, feel, it felt like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, like the blood's getting to the to the garage door. Okay, let's mop it up and like stop it from getting there so that way we can get out real quick. Um, and then, you know, I don't like the decapitation's like a totally different like right field of of how all of that worked um but like like i would think that like if they thought all of this through that much right like they would have you know brought towels and like like you know cleans it up in a way that like you know that and didn't just like leave it all there it felt very much so like let's just like like you know clean it up to the point of to that that will buy us a little bit more like a day or so more time to like get out of dodge yeah so like i i'm guessing you know, maybe just going through their thought process. Um, you know, you shoot the guy in the back of your, back of the head. That's what we're assuming happened, mm-hmm. correct? Um, so right. they're like, oh, you know, maybe we can uh, somehow, or maybe the cops or whoever comes to the crime scene can trace this, this shell back to mm-hmm. us somehow. Maybe that was 
part of the thought process? Yeah. I don't know. Because that's exactly what police uh, police think. So police believe that he may have chosen to cut off, that, you know, this person may have chosen to cut off Russell's head because the bullet likely was lodged inside of it, which would have at least helped to point police in the general direction of a possible suspect. So they took the head to hide evidence. Okay, so that's, I guess that was a founded theory that I had. Mm-hmm. You're, you, I think you have a you have a future as a cop, I think. Uh, I don't know if I can handle that. See, <laughs> just coming up with scenes like this, I, I can't. Sure. There's no way I could handle it. Like, Yeah, you know, it's crazy because I talk about it all the time, but, like, if I saw pictures, it would be the end of it for me. So. Yeah, there's absolutely no way. I mean, like, uh, this is a lot. I mean, that had to be a lot of blood. Yeah, big time. Big time. Yeah, it's time for a little sip. Big time. Yeah, I um big gulp. Um, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, just like going back a little bit here, only because we kind of like jumped it a little bit. So initially, like a lot of people, like their theories, right, is that like the head was like some sort of like, like trophy for, for, for them at some, at, 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 again, like that was the initial thought. Um, And so like, because they were just like, okay, you know, cut him, cut his head off, whatever, take it for themselves. Okay. Um, um, And then I think that uh, like, once they start like, like poking around and that's and find the gunshot residue, yeah. that's when like this theory comes. But like also too, like my brain goes to like, we're talking um, like, we're talking about mid Georgia. Right. Mm. And like this older dude, right. Probably more conservative. And so he probably has like, he probably is like a, like probably has a gun. Right. And yeah, that's my, that's my guess. And so like, I, I don't know. I don't really buy the 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 assumption here that like the gunshot residue must have meant that the that whoever killed him shot him in the back of the head um because like again I'm sure he shoots quite a bit and so like I'm sure there's some gunshot. I don't know. I I never saw how much was on there and, and like again I have to believe that like the police, mm-hmm. you know, know more of it than I do because I don't know jack shit about guns. <laughs> um but like I but like I would guess though that like that there would be something around his collar, right? If he shoots, you know, shotguns whatever you know, that is right there. So I don't know, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, I don't know. This is just so tricky because it's just, I don't know. It's odd. And I know there's a lot of, you know, crime stories out there that are just wild. Um, of course my wife, Jordan, she could attest to a lot more of those than, than, than I could, <laughs> but I, maybe we should swap you guys out really fast. <laughs> yeah. A substitution real quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but man, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, it just seems like such a strange, almost yeah. barbaric thing to do. Um, and yeah. uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel bad for the neighbors for, well, obviously mm-hmm. you feel bad for the couple. I mean, that's like number one, right. but I mean, coming in right. on that, that's, I don't know. I mean, that has to stick mm-hmm. with you for forever. Yeah. Again, I don't really know where, where to even like go with, with all that. Be, like, I don't know. And like, again, like I like, so I keep going back and forth. I'm kind of where you are right now in terms of like the premeditation versus like the reactive part of this whole thing. Like, I feel like, like, like the like the head part right yeah. feels feels very reactive even to oh, yeah. right because it because to me I'm picturing right like how this all happened right he is like going out for the day um you know is you know you know going to do whatever and suddenly is like like attacked by somebody and probably shot in the back of the head maybe completely unbeknownst like totally off caught him off guard kind of thing um and that's when all this like th- like all these things start popping up in in their heads in terms of just like okay well shoot like the the bullet's still here like in his head like crap so let's like cut his his head off oh my gosh there's so much blood it's dripping down towards the garage let's clean it up really fast so that way we can just like buy ourselves a little bit more time um and like also too and like we talk about this a little bit later on but like in terms of the incision that like cut off his head it's like it's like not like 
like like like straight through yeah. right like this is not somebody who like knows what they're doing based, based on what they say it's like very crude um and so it's like clearly like again like kind of what i picture like i would like you know how i would do it in in terms of you know it, you know if i ever wanted to like decapitate someone just like i don't want to yeah um, but not. if i did if i did it like i feel a lot of like you know jagged edges and that kind yeah. of thing and just like not like a one clean like you know but point being is that like the way i picture that is like it's like okay well let's cut his head off what are we going to use to cut his head off like whatever's in the yeah, garage kind of thing and like that's how it happened yeah that's um that's just so crude i mean that's i mean this guy's probably you know getting up thinking he's about to have a good day maybe go play mm-hmm. golf you know i know a lot of older gentlemen mm-hmm. and younger love to play golf like let's go out you know play a quick 18 holes and then go to this kentucky derby party i mean that sounds like a pretty damn good day to me right you know um right but okay liam so here's a question i have for you what the heck happened to shirley well clay that's the thing that is even more puzzling to police because shirley is nowhere to be found Police believe that Shirley may have been abducted somehow. Russell does have a severe wound on his finger, which has pieces of Shirley's hair tangled around it. So police believe that the suspect may have attempted to attack Shirley and Russell and, you know, that he likely tried to protect her, injuring himself in the process. But there's still no sign of Shirley anywhere, but yet her phone and purse were still found inside of the house. There's no sign of a break-in or a struggle that would indicate that Shirley was attacked inside of the home. They also don't find any of her blood or any DNA of hers that they wouldn't expect to find inside of her own home. Okay, so I think what I'm going to do here, Liam, is I'm going to pour me a little bit more of this Riesling. Very good call. And then, you know, the question I asked about, you know, what the heck happened to Shirley, (laughs) I'm still thinking, like, what the heck yeah happened to shirley like what this is i I don't know it's just kind of bizarre and i think you're in the same boat of of police right you know and the local sheriff said that this didn't appear to be some random crime in fact police said that they believe that russell and shirley likely knew their attacker because of there not being any sign of forced entry or struggle inside of the home police start looking at the days before russell's body was found and they discover that russell was last seen by anybody on may 1st they were able to confirm that Russell had been running errands in Eatonton, which is a town about 20 minutes west of Lake Oconee. He had transferred money from the drive-thru at the local branch of of People's Bank around 2.15 in the afternoon and then went to the local public store to pick up a prescription for Shirley's upcoming cataract surgery, where he also bought a loaf of bread and a few cucumbers. Like, again, totally normal things for, you know, anybody to be doing. Yeah, for sure. 11 Alive News, the NBC affiliate in Atlanta, posted the raw surveillance camera video from Russell's time in the Publix. And, Clay, I'm going to play for you if you could just kind of describe what you're seeing for our listeners and we're also going to link to this video on our website and in our show notes too which guy is he so he's the guy with the green shirt and the khaki pants green shirt khaki pants okay yeah he seems like a really wholesome guy yeah it's always so weird to me to see people like alive Mm -hmm. like days before or hours before they get killed right like this is probably like yeah like you said like this is like at most like 24 hours before like the end of his life and like the most gruesome way possible that's just bizarre because i mean these are like he's lived a good yeah. life more than likely i mean you're 
you're just enjoying retirement at that point. Mm-hmm. He looks to be in pretty good health. I mean, he's moving around really good. Right, at 88, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what kind of shocked me, too. And I think, like, and even, like, he even pulled, like, again, 2014, he pulls out, like, a paper list, which I thought was, like, kind of funny. Because, like, again, like, he easily could just use his phone, but, like, didn't. Um, so I thought that, like, that kind of stood out to me. And then I'm not sure if you're there yet, but, like, around, like, 120 of this video... Um, like he like comes up to like some guy he looks like he knows and like they're talking again, yep. like, looking like they're just, yeah. Like, you know, just like catching up, probably chatting about whatever. Um, and like goes about his day, you know, like nothing, like, I don't know, just nothing stands out to me here at all. Like they, like, again, like, like, and I, like they published this for, you know, the reason of just to say like, this was just like a normal day thing right like this was the last moments that anyone saw him alive or you know on camera anyway so yeah it's just bizarre i mean he's just there's nothing like he said that looks out of the ordinary to Mm -hmm. me this is just a guy who is picking up his groceries you know his wife probably wanted him to get you know a few cucumbers (laughs) they might be making some cucumber water to you know get ready for for the the derby right i don't yeah i i got it's just like mundane right So when police interview Russell and Shirley's friends and family, police said that one of their three sons, Brad, said that he had spoken to both of his parents later that night. But I never saw like a specific time of when this call happened. Brad said this wasn't an abnormal conversation at all. They asked each other about each other's days, said goodnight, and went about their normal routines. Police gave a real wide window for Russell's estimated time of death. They believe that Russell likely died between 4.30 on May 1st when their, when their postal worker says they delivered the mail that day and 6 o'clock on May 3rd when their neighbors say that Russell and Shirley never showed up for the party. But as the days went on, as they searched for Russell's killer, the search for Shirley was getting concerning. Police were really worried for her safety, but that worry turned into a completely different and much darker feeling when they finally found her. All right, so Clay, about halfway, I'm at like a quarter way, you know, have a quarter way left of this glass. I am, listen, like this is going to come come as like a bit of a shock to people at, like listening to this at home. I'm liking this wine, y'all. Like I'm not like, again, like this, it's a little too sweet for me. Like wouldn't be able to drink more than a, more than a glass at a time, but like I'm, I'm digging this wine. It, yeah, it's really good. It is sweet. And mm-hmm. I would say I wouldn't like to drink more than a glass at a time, but I'm on number two. So that would make me a liar. <laughs> But it, it is really good, and I haven't quite had dinner yet either, so it's, you know, I'm feeling, feeling really into this now. Yeah, well, you'll have to, um, once y'all, like, once you pop off, you'll have to get um, Jordan to send us over a rating, too, um, because I know she's more into wine than you are, so, you know, just, like, you know, get the whole range of, of, of folks in here, so. Well, yeah, if there's any's left. If there's any's left. <laughs> If there's any's left, I have a feeling there's not going to be any's left after that. <laughs> if there's any left, <laughs> I start. I'm going to start adding S's to everything. I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's very. That's very South Carolina of you, for sure. Yeah, for you know, sure, it, sure. it, it comes out. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, let's get right back to the story because 
it's about to take a turn. I really hope you're sitting down. I don't know you are. Um, but if anyone at home isn't sitting down, it's about to get crazy. So take a seat. So on May 16th, 10 days after the Dermans' neighbor found Russell, Shirley was found by a fisherman on Lake Oconee. Shirley's body was floating in the lake near a dam that was five miles from the Dermans' home. Shirley had two 30-pound concrete blocks tied to her ankles and three deep wounds from what the medical examiner said was likely a blunt object to the back of her head. They ruled her cause of death, blunt force trauma, a homicide. <sighs> Liam, what in the world? <laughs> mm-hmm. That is not... Wow. Um, you know, that's crazy. Two 30-pound concrete blocks. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know we were talking earlier, was this, you know, reactive or premeditated? Right. This kind of throws a wrench for me because, like, where do you, like, were there just two 30-pound concrete blocks on hand or? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I feel like most, again, she's a gardener. So, like, I feel like she probably, you know, maybe that was, like, part of the, you know, the the surrounding of her garden. Like, like the landscape? I, yeah, something. I could see that. That's fair. Like, yeah, and, like, you don't just, like, bring that along, right? And especially, like, because we're talking, like, reactive versus, versus, you know, premeditated, right? Like, this, to me, like, like is even more evidence of reactive, and I'll tell you why. Um, because it's, like, totally different. Like, almost the complete opposite from from how people found Russell, right? Because Russell was still in the home, head cut off. Like, they think that he, that it was a that it was a gunshot wound. I'm not totally buying it was a gunshot wound still, um, especially now that we know about Shirley. Because, like, why wouldn't they just—why wouldn't she have, like, this person just shot both of them um, if they had a gun, right? So that, that, that kind of throws a wrench into it for me also. But again, totally different—two totally different, you know, ways to kill people um, if we're going along the, the gunshot wound theory here, right? Um, yeah. So I, this— this to me like again like if you're going to premeditatively kill two people kill a couple why would you do it in two totally different ways that's that's kind of what ca- catches me off yeah it definitely throws a wrench into things and like just i don't know thinking i don't know I, it just as you know someone who would have to to actually work on this case it has to be frustrating i mean you oh, have to time, be yeah. just extremely frustrated because it's just kind of bizarre. I think I said it earlier, but it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, and frustrating too um, for them because I'm sure that they like you know search that entire neighborhood for for Shirley, and so to to find her in the lake five miles from the house, right? That must just you know be a huge gut punch in terms of just like how could we have not have found her before some random person found her, and also too um, like 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 what gets me a little bit is like she's like she's a freaking grandma right like it's it's like you know and he's a grandpa right and it's like and it's like totally like defenseless individuals right and like the and like they died in like one of the most brutal ways that i have ever heard of so that just like 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 gives me like a weird pit in my stomach yeah it's absolutely terrible and and you also have to think like that 10-day window after finding you know the husband dead in the garage and then you know eventually surely like you know the the neighborhood has to be on alert, complete unrest. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like, is there a serial killer on on the loose? Like, also, you know, um, the other part of this too, um, you know, just because we're, again we're talking about like premeditated versus reactive a lot in this podcast, right? So, police said that this didn't actually really feel like a professional murder at all. Not someone who had ever done this often if they had ever done this at all before, right? Like cut someone's head off and then also, you know, weighed someone down in the lake. The cuts that had severed Russell's head 
was jagged. And anyone who knew anything about dumping bodies would know that two 30-pound concrete blocks wouldn't hold someone for forever. Eventually, the gases build up inside someone's body, and that would far outweigh the weight from those blocks. And so police believe, uh, you know, because of the crudeness and the intensity of the murders, that they are searching for someone who knows the Dermans personally and likely had a grudge to bear against the both of them for one reason or another. But finding that person was really hard to find. I mean, they lived a quiet, peaceful life, didn't bother much of anybody, a normal, older couple. They did interview all of their children, but every single one of them passed the polygraph test and they were cleared as a suspect. But they couldn't interview all of Russell and Shirley's children. They only have three surviving children left. Russell and Shirley's other child, Mark, was actually murdered himself in 2000. Mark was trying to buy crack cocaine in Atlanta when he was shot and killed. Police found the man responsible, though, for that murder, and he was in jail in 2014. But police say that Mark's murder was totally unrelated and unconnected to Russell and Shirley's murders. I mean, at this point, you have to feel for the other three siblings, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's... That's a lot to have to endure. I mean, just in what a, a fourteen-year span, right? I mean, yeah. that's I, I can't imagine that honestly. Yeah. Well, yeah, because what is like what are the odds that you know one of your family members are murdered, let alone three, and like three completely different ways, and like again, three very gruesome different ways, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's I, that has to be obviously very hard on the other kids, yeah. and just. You know, everything about this to me is obviously fishy. I mean, it's just strange. But but you're right. Like, the 30-pound concrete blocks, like, that's definitely not enough to hold someone right. down for a long period of time. Um, yeah. For, like, a little bit, sure. Like, for 10 days, probably. I could see that, right? Yeah, a couple days. But eventually, like, they're going to resurface. So, yeah. you know, the reactive side of things really starts to make a little more sense here mm-hmm. um, to me. I think personally, but I don't know. It's just, I, I, you got to feel for them. I mean, they yeah. were in their upper seventies living their best life and it's yeah. not a way to, not a way to go. Well, and like, you know, again, like reactive only in the sense of like, like that this wasn't like very well thought out. Right. But like, it's still, yeah. it feels like, like it just doesn't sit well with me. I suppose that like, that you reactively killed two different, two people who are presumably in the same home in two completely different ways. And so I guess it, and like, again, like, like if, if, if you're going to shoot somebody in the back of the head, right. And then like bludgeon somebody and then dump them in, 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 in the lake, like why, first of all, why not do both? Unless maybe mm-hmm. you just can't carry wrestle for whatever reason, like that, like sure. Like that kind of like, you know, makes sense to me. But then wh- like, then why cut off his head? Not her head. Like it just, it's, I'm just like, I'm like the mechanics of this is, are really hard for me to follow. I suppose, obviously I'm like a sane headed person. I like to think so anyway. Um, but like, so it, it just, it's just hard for me to really get like to that point of like, like even in like the most like deranged individuals minds, like how did this all kind of happen? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, maybe like to a degree on the front end, Maybe it was premeditated, mm-hmm. but then, like, you have, sure, you know, amateurs or people who have never done anything like this, you know, yeah. then turn reactive. Yeah, like... I, I guess that's possible. Yeah, like, something was premeditated here, right? Like, that, that, that is the only thing that makes any sort of sense to me, I suppose. Um, like, you know, because, like, they clearly, like, like, went into the home with some sort of means or, you know, some sort of end um, in mind, whether it was, you know 
you know, murder or some other crime to be committed. And like murder was just like, you know, happened in the process and they just like yeah. freaked out. Like, okay. I don't, and like also like, so then like, and again, not an FBI agent by any means, you know, I like to think I am, but like, I'm not. Um, so like the, like, you know, if, if we're like profiling this dude or dudes, whatever, um, you know, like to me, I'm thinking, okay, well maybe they had like some sort of like closer relationship with like a maternal figure in their life. And like, maybe that's why they couldn't like kill Shirley yeah. To, like in such a and as as of a gruesome way or like maybe they had like some sort of relationship with like a, a, a paternal figure in their life that like made them want to like kill russell even more gruesomely than they did to shirley i mean yeah i guess there definitely could be like some childhood trauma that maybe sparked mm-hmm. this and you know like you said maybe the the original crime wasn't murder it, maybe it was robbery or yeah, or something else but it yeah. kind of led to that because sometimes yeah. things snowball and get out of control so right who knows? Yeah. Well, and also, so so going back to Mark here for a second, too, because I, when I first heard about Mark, I was like, oh, like, game over for me. Find out whoever killed Mark and like you're and like that'll get the, some something, you know, that'll connect to connect somehow. Right. Um, but like then then I start like, you know, again, like like, you know, connecting the dots here. And like if Mark's Mark's murder had something to do with drugs, like he was caught up in some bad lifestyle. Like, OK, sure. Like that's aside. Um, but it was also it was 14 years yeah. earlier. Right. And like, sure. Like if if that was somehow connected like the dude had some sort of grudge against mark and like you know maybe assumed that mark you know was was hiding stuff at his parents house and like that's how everything happened um like like okay like like it wouldn't be 14 years later like right it would be like you know we'd be hearing about this much sooner um you know after 2000s like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in 14 years later and again like 70 miles away I mean, yeah that's a lot of time to pass in between so right. it would be like i i think it would be a stretch to kind of connect that but you know, some people hold grudges, so... Yeah, but, dang, I mean, 14 years, years that's... Yeah. That's a long time. And, it, and like, what like like what are the odds that, like, whatever you need from, from, from Mark or, like, his family, whatever, is still there 14 years later? Like, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, that's kind of a reach, honestly. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. So, you know, but I, but then again, so like I keep going and I was about to move on, but I'm not. Um, but like, again, like I, like, like I go back to like, I, like, I believe in a lot of things. I believe in ghosts. I believe in, you know, in, you know, in psychics. I believe in all in aliens. I believe in a lot of stuff. I don't believe in coincidences when it comes to homicide investigations. And again, like I said before, like, what are the odds that, that one person in your family is murdered in such a gruesome way? let alone three different people 14 years apart and and you know in the in two of the, like three of the most violent ways that you can possibly imagine so yeah I just, exactly i just can't i don't i just i don't know i just can't even like fathom a world where these two things aren't connected for that reason alone yeah and then like if you're the the other three kids like you kind of like are you looking out behind your shoulder like mm-hmm. what's you know what's going on is, is the right curse? Oh, is, yeah is, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, this this is feeling very Final Destination to me. Um, but like not like not a, yeah probably yeah. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, but you know the Putnam County Sheriff's Office does bring in the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit to put together a profile of the person who they said was likely responsible for these murders. And the local sheriff told the Atlanta Journal Constitution that they are more than likely looking for a man who likes guns and knives. And that's about it, which, you know, to me, describes just about every single man in the South. But like, okay, 
that's what they come up with. I mean, you're, you're right about that. Like, born and raised in the South, like, that's narrowing it down to 85% yeah. of the population. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, they're not really getting much close there. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but police also believe that they are possibly searching for multiple people because they don't think that it's likely that one person could have done all of this completely undetected. They said it wasn't physically impossible, but highly unlikely for them to be, you know, looking for only one person. But police do end up sharing a bit about what they think is possible for this murder. Police say that there are a few ways that this could have happened. Now, here's where I get caught up in all of this, you know, a good bit. This neighborhood is described as a gated community, like we were talking about, and it, like, totally is, but the security in this neighborhood is pretty loose, actually. There's not, like, a pass you need in order to drive into the parking lot or, you know, a code, you know, kind of what I think about when I think of gated communities. There's a guardhouse at the front who keeps an eye on things, or... At least they're supposed to, that's their job, but it's not part of this guard's responsibilities to keep a record of who came in and who came out. Now, there were security cameras at the entrance to the community, but wouldn't you believe it, they weren't working the day of the murders. Okay, so that's super fishy. Yeah. I mean, were they working before and after, or was there like a lapse? Like, do you know those details? Or so police said that the that um the storm had actually taken them out a few days before, and they just like hadn't gotten around to fixing them yet. But okay. police said that even if they were working that day, they weren't quality enough that they would have been able to pick out anything identifiable that could have pointed them in the direction of Russell Insurance killer or killer so i guess like to answer your question clay like like kind of i suppose but like yeah like again just like the i guess like the worst coincidence in the world which again not buying coincidences but yeah but also like so you know i was a big fan of the show ozark i'm not sure if you've ever mm -hmm. ever watched that but the guardhouse is i'm assuming for the roads that come in and out of the community right mm -hmm. but we're on a lake so my mind starts right. going on that. Like, did they pull up to their dock, you know? Because obviously mm -hmm. there's probably not going to be cameras down there. So I think that is yeah. also a possibility. Yeah. Um, Clay, I said it before and I said it again. You do have, you are thinking just like this cops in this situation. So I do think that you have a set of, you have a calling that, you know, that you, that you, that you missed here. <laughs> but we're going to get there in a second. So, so hold that thought big time because we are going to okay. talk about that. Um, but, you know, this to me, you know, because immediately when I, when I read all these details, right, and I heard this whole kind of, this full story in terms of, you know, all of these weird things that like, you know, just felt like it was like the right place, the right time kind of thing. And like, this seems like it. Like, this to me, like, screams two things. One, screams inside job. Like, that's, like, in some way, shape, or form, someone who knows this neighborhood very, very well, you know, that, that you know, who, who knew, you know, people's, you know, comings and goings and knew, you know, when the perfect time to strike kind of thing would have been or, like, and, like the, and the perfect, you know, people to strike, you know, kind of thing. And then, two, it also says, like, big time scoped out. Like, you know, did a lot of recon, right? And so the type of person that I'm thinking of here is some sort of, like, service person, some sort of, like, delivery person, someone who's, who goes to that neighborhood, you know, once a week, you know, who, who knows the people who, who live there and, you know, knows, hey, security cameras are out in some way, shape or form, like knew that a storm took these things out somehow and like knew that this was the week to do it. Right. Yeah. You know, and was there actually a storm that knocked those cameras out? Because like, do we have confirmation of that? That's what police said. Police said that 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 they tried to look for for security camera video. They said and they said that 
I'm assuming they were told probably by like the homeowners association, like, no, sorry, like they're not work. They weren't working this week because of a storm came through. That just makes me wonder, like, was there actually a storm? I mean, you know, if there, there wasn't, then like maybe you could narrow it down a little bit. But I mean, if there was a storm, obviously like the cameras may have been knocked offline, but I'm just saying like, did they really do their due diligence? Was there a storm or, you know, any kind of thing of, yeah, that could actually knock the power out. So that, you know, yeah. I will say, so on, on that note, like the, like, because a lot of times on this podcast, like we're often talking about, you know, cases where like the, like the victims just like slip through like police's fingers, right? Like in, like for whatever reason, it just, we talk about cases on the, a, lot, a lot of cases on this podcast where there were a lot of bad cops in those situations. Yeah. In this case, like that is the complete opposite of the situation. Like I saw a lot of really, really, really dedicated investigators that like were really frustrated by this case and just couldn't connect the dots kind of thing and so i give you know putnam county sheriff's office a whole lot of due here um you know to to because they they you know to this day are not giving up on this case so so i i have to i have to imagine that like if if you know if if a storm really didn't come through and they're saying the storm came through like they would probably like their bs meters would probably be going off pretty hard yeah so of course well well that's good to know i mean i you know i'm just kind of trying to think i guess outside the box a little bit I just keep going back to how frustrating this has to be and still, you know, has to be, you Mm -hmm. know, even, even now, but Mm -hmm. I just don't think I could do it. Yeah. And like, also, so, so if we're going like, like kind of what makes me kind of shy away from like this idea of like somebody who like has been thinking about this a long time is again, kind of what we're talking about, like Primer's whole episode about like the premeditated versus reactive kind of thing. Like the actual murders themselves feel very reactive to me. And so I find it hard to think about somebody who like, who, you know, went through so much effort to like, get rid of the cameras, do whatever. And like, you know, you know, orchestrate, you know, all of these, you know, things, um, to make all this happen as opposed to someone who just maybe like pounced on the opportunity, like saw that the cameras were out, saw, like knew what the kind of behaviors were of, of people. And like, you know, took that, took that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see that, that side yeah. of things. It's just, I don't know, like it, just sitting here, you know, two glasses of wine deep. It's, it's frustrating <laughs> me. So I can't even imagine how they feel like what, right years right. into this yeah and they weren't even drunk so you know <laughs> so i would just say i'm buzzing <laughs> <laughs> so police say that the perpetrator or perpetrators could have entered the community three different ways either by foot by car or by boat now i'm not buying that he walked into the neighborhood like on foot and here's why i'm not buying that story first off i'm sure in these kind of neighborhoods like somebody walking on you know to this into this neighborhood would have set off someone's alarm bells seeing presumably a stranger walking to the neighborhood and up to someone's you know front doorstep especially after they heard about what happened to russell and shirley like just does not sit well with me at all and the idea of them driving there doesn't feel right either for the exact same reason right like this isn't like a huge community it's basically one road maybe two so i'm positive that everyone knows the kinds of cars that they're used to zipping around town plus if they had this car and wanted to get rid of shortly like why wouldn't they just like put her in the car and drive her further than the lake that was literally in their backyard (sighs) yeah i mean it has to be by boat right i mean that's the only thing that really Mm -hmm. makes sense because you know i brought it up earlier and um you know, people are going to notice those odd cars or right. whatever may be coming into the neighborhood. So, yeah, I'm thinking like someone 
someone on the lake maybe yeah. or someone put in at the landing i don't know mm-hmm. yeah and, and like boats kind of like to me anyways all kind of look the same you know for the most part so like that kind of like maybe it like wouldn't stand out as much maybe i'm wrong though no i agree because like it on a hot summer day you look out of the lake there might be 10 yeah. boats zipping by and like you can't really differentiate yeah most of them so it's probably the best route to take yeah well and that's why like this theory actually sits pretty well with me because police said they don't believe shirley was killed at their home because again like we were talking about they found no evidence of her being killed there so it does feel okay to me that the perpetrator drove their boat up to the germans dock somehow whether they lived on the lake or you know put in at some sort of dock area you know which may have been again less noticeable to neighbors the attacked the couple, killed Russell, and then lured Shirley onto the boat, possibly killed her there, and dumped her body into the lake. Yeah, that's kind of got the wheels spinning because, I mean, why would they choose that that dock to, mm-hmm. to come up on, you know? Like, obviously, yeah. they probably do have some prior knowledge of, hey, this is where they live. Mm-hmm. And, and there could be a grudge. I don't know. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, and also too, so, cause we're, cause like you were talking about before about like neighbors noticing and stuff, like there are like, um, so there was like a, a mention in one of the articles that I read about this, about how like, there, like a lot of the neighbors had cameras, but most of the cameras were pointed, um, you know, at the docks and at their specific docks. Right. Because like, obviously yeah. like, why would you point at the whole lake? Like you want to make sure that your boat isn't stolen. And that's your only priority. Um, and so yeah, like complicated things. Again, it just like is pointing like, like the perfect set of circumstances for just be able to do this and get away with it yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna have to agree with you there because i mean that's i mean obviously by foot like you said really doesn't make sense because people are going to put up red flags immediately by car people recognize cars i mean if you live in the same spot for years on end you're gonna notice when a strange car comes up but like you know people might not be looking out their back window as much and right right i don't know it's yeah it's tricky and too like i'm sure you're just like used to like especially springtime in georgia right like i'm sure you're just like used to hearing like in your backyard kind of thing like these boats zipping around and like it's just a normal sight whereas like i hear a car drive by like and i'm like okay who's that like who like you know what i mean like that like i feel like that's a much more normal like you know like thing to be like to like be like keeping an eye out for you know because like that like you're like nosy neighbors and like i'm sure like listen i know these kinds of neighborhoods i'm sure these neighbors are like super nosy yeah even me like living here in an apartment complex if something out of the ordinary is happening outside like you're gonna see me through the blinds like my eyes Mm -hmm. gonna be right there and be like (laughs) all right what's uh what's going on this seems a little odd you know and everyone's like that I mean, you want to know what's going on right. Right. at the place you live. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, and, you know, there's, like, one obvious question that is still sticking out in my mind, though, in all of this, right? Like, why would they do this? Police believe that the initial motive behind this attack may have been a burglary, that the perpetrators likely believed, based on the appearance of their home or what have you, that the Germans had access to something extremely valuable somehow. But this still doesn't sit great with them, and here's why. First off, like we said, there was nothing amiss at the home at all. There was nothing missing, and there was very valuable pieces of jewelry out, and it was all still right there for the taking. 
Plus, if it was just this random attack, why target the Dermans of all people? They did live in a very nice home, but it was far from the nicest or even most expensive home on the block. So if they wanted to steal something of value from this wealthy neighborhood and murder the homeowners in the process, wouldn't you target the richest people on the block, like get the most out of this huge risk you're taking here? I mean, yeah, but also no. So I'm just kind of trying to like channel their minds what they're thinking like the richest people on the block they probably have what the best security system mm -hmm. i would assume so let's, sure. let's let's go somewhere in the middle and maybe that's where sure. the dermans kind of fell and that's yeah. what they were thinking like okay this will be an easier target maybe their security system isn't quite as sophisticated yeah and, older you know, couple can, too yeah yeah i mean if if they've been scoping it out for a couple of weeks they're like all right so this should be you know an in and out kind of thing but, I mean, that's just kind of where my brain goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, also, like, I have to imagine that, like, they, they probably saw this as, like, a good opportunity, right? Like, I, like, kind of, I'm kind of landed kind of where you are, too, um, in terms of just, like, 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 sure, like, they probably, like, nicer homes, you're probably right, like, probably have much tighter stuff um but like and then also too like if you're again if you're like this to me goes back to like they probably scoped this out for a while like knew that this was the older couple you could probably take them right and then like you know this was the way that you're gonna go that you're gonna go for it um and then also too i do have, i do just have to say like so because like like sure like like again if we're going off the burglary theory like okay but like there was nothing gone like as far as they were as far as they were aware and so that kind of got me but like i like we've talked about this on this podcast before so i'll say it again like i just have to say like you like never truly like first of all you never know anybody as well as you think that you do like period but like you definitely like like in terms of just like like strangers in terms of just like you know um you know your average everyday person like you truly do not know what goes on in like the comfort of, of somebody's home right like you don't know what what somebody has inside of their drawers you don't know what, what somebody has inside of their closets um you know so like like who's to, like i don't know i guess i could see like a world where like if they're like 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 their kids like are like going through like seeing if anything is missing like i could see a world where like it's like like there's like they have some huge stack of like rainy day funds cash like tucked somewhere and for whatever reason you know maybe just nobody knew about it except for them kind of thing um but and again like this goes to to where my brain goes with this is like some sort of you know electrical person somebody who has been inside of that house before probably snooped around a good bit you know maybe saw where the cash was hidden kind of thing and like you know took it and you know didn't really and you know nobody else knew it was even there like to, and you know nobody would have even known that it was there yeah i mean i could see that because i mean like if someone's coming in to to fix your i don't know we'll say refrigerator for this purpose mm -hmm. like if you're not there and they're coming in and let's say 9 a.m. and you're not getting back to 11, like that gives mm -hmm. them two hours to snoop around, right. you know, see what you have and like, okay, you know, if they have bad intentions, maybe at some point they're like, all right, you know, when, when these people are, are out of the house or even if they're not, you know, we can go in there and make a quick buck. I mean, yeah, you just, you know, you never know what people like people's thought process and that makes right. this so difficult. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. And like, yeah, again, like you don't like it's it's hard to like pin this on something, right? Because because of exactly what you're talking about here, um, because it really could be like this huge range of stuff um, because we just simply like there's so much we don't know. Like there's so much we do know. There's so much we don't know about this case. And like that's kind of I think the frustrating part for me and like the frustrating part of the of the 
for the investigator Shirley at this point. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But again, and like, and like going back to like the, like the, like the theory of like, you know, of this like service guy, whatever, um, like a service guy, like, like somebody comes in and like fixes my like AC, whatever. Like I kind of have this like general, um, like trust of them kind of right. Because it's like, like they go in people's houses all the time. Like who, like, why would I think that they like, this is the kind of like, this is the time that they're going to strike. And like, also I have nothing of value at my home, like at all. Yeah. So like, I like, I'm surely going to like trust people a little bit more. It's like not steal shit because I don't have anything to steal um but like for them like i'm sure they're they're the exact same way older couple i'm sure they probably had it had people come into their house quite a bit so yeah i mean i think like in general there's a lot of people that come in and out of our lives that we do for example um this is kind of a personal example but we're gonna have our landlord come in and inspect our property here i i believe next monday and like Generally, that I, you know, I trust them enough to come in here and not mm-hmm. scope out the place. They're just looking at, you know, any issues that there may be. But like sometimes you can't, you you just can't put your trust in people like that mm-hmm. because you know maybe they have bad intentions. If not now, maybe down the road. Like, yeah. like you know, in six months, they're not going to remember me. They're not going to remember me coming into their house to fix their refrigerator or microwave. Right. You know, whatever it may be. So I, I think on a general day or just a general basis we do put our trust in a lot of people that maybe don't deserve it Um, yeah so I don't know yeah yeah no big time and like again like I put myself into their shoes and like again older couple like I'm sure that they had a lot of you know a lot of people come in you know work on a lot of things because I'm sure they weren't you know doing doing a lot of that stuff and like I go back to like the kind of people they were regardless of their age right like in like um, you know a very you know like quiet trusting kind of you know couple in like this very secure neighborhood and I'm sure that their trust levels were very high for that very reason um, because they you know just were that kind though they seem like that those kind of people right no and yeah like i think like trust obviously is such an important thing but it can be equally as dangerous because if you put Mm -hmm. your trust into the wrong people Mm -hmm. it can backfire in a pretty big way and i'm not saying this is what happened here but Mm. could be a case of that you know i mean i think that's i think that makes the most amount of sense to me because why else would you invite somebody into their home like why else would there not be any sort of like like evidence of a struggle or a break-in in any way like it just seemed like they were just you know yeah come on in you know and then poof like everything happened all at once right yeah you know i i totally agree with that it's just mm-hmm. it's it's difficult it's yeah. this is definitely it has to be super frustrating yeah and p- police too have like a really frustratingly poor time investigating this brutal double murder they got hundreds of tips and followed up on leads left and right for years but nothing turned up anything conclusive Eight years later, just this past year, the local sheriff gives gives interviews to local media in hopes that they could finally shake something loose after all of this time. He tells the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that the case became a personal and professional embarrassment for him. It was the only murder case that he could not solve as the county sheriff. He also tells Fox 5 Atlanta that they are waiting on the results of new evidence, and that new evidence comes in the form of cell phone data. Now, it's not totally clear what they expect or hope to find in this data, if anything at all, but he did say that they have been waiting for this new evidence for a while, and that they are using new technology to sift through that data that was not available to the department back in 2014, but that's pretty much where things stand on that, even to this day in August of 2023. So much time has passed, I I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I hope justice can eventually be served at some point, yeah. but 
if it was so difficult, like in in the last, you know, what nine years, it's it's yeah. got to be super frustrating now, especially for me. Like I feel like when I start something, I have to finish it. So sure, if yeah. you're not able to finish that as a, you know the primary investigator, it's got to be you yeah. know really aggravating. Yeah, well, and especially as you know when when you're working with things that are as intimate as murders, right, as people's lives, and so yeah, I'm sure that has to be extra, extra, extra frustrating. Um, and also too, I just have to say because like because we've talked about you know so many cases on this podcast where like this new technology or these new resources suddenly become available, um, and like it's like like they don't like just toss around money, right? Like they like like agencies that give out grants and stuff like don't just toss around money like this. Like you have to be able to prove that like you're like you there's a very solid chance you're going to find something like groundbreaking from this. And so that gives me a little bit of hope here because if they are like like redigging into all this stuff, like I have to imagine that they have like a really good reason to be able to do that. Um otherwise like the money like to be able to get this new technology and get these new resources just simply would not have been available to them. Period. Yeah, it's just I like for me like I I know there's a ton of technology out there now, like AI and, and this mm-hmm. and that, but like I'm just kind of curious to to what that technology is. Like, how could this yeah. like further the case? Like, that just yeah. that's something that really sticks with me. Yeah, and again, I don't really know like what exactly the technology would be able to do with cell phone data like i could see with like like with dna or with like you know like some sort of like reconstructed stuff like like okay like there are like leaps and bounds have been made like just in the last like year alone on that front um but like with cell phone data like i don't really know what they could get that they couldn't have gotten back in 2014 but like again have to trust them like I, i don't even know where my mind would go with that but i have to trust them that like they're on the right spot for that so yeah i mean there's technology out there that i can't comprehend so i'm sure right. they have, i'm sure they have access to yeah god knows what you know as for sure russell and shirley's family though their kids are you know absolutely determined to close this case that has torn them apart on the inside brad said he still has dreams of his parents and in those dreams they would come to him and try to give them some clues about who was responsible for killing them but the dream would end right before they could tell him anything of substance so like absolutely heartbreaking there as for the police who have spent hours combing through this case file they are as motivated as ever to find something conclusive so if you have anything any kind of information about the murders of russell and shirley dermond you are asked to call the putnam county sheriff's office at 706-485-8557 and we're also going to put that number in our show notes and on our website too yeah you know just as a thought they they seem like really wholesome people so i think yeah. you know just giving the the three you know children just that mm-hmm. that sense of like knowing what happened i think that yeah. would be big because i mean this is for me like you know i'm not a huge true crime buff but it's really got me scratching my head over here so yeah and like you have to like again like you have to imagine like like losing your parent in like any sort of way is like is like like has to be like the like one of the hardest things that you go through right and so i just can't imagine like a world like where like like your parents are murdered in this like awful 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 way like one of the worst ways that you can possibly ever like 
ever imagined anyone being killed in, right? Like, so, yeah, I just have to, I have to guess that you, that this is just something that's just, like, keeping them, like, awake at night every single night. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, personally, if this was, like, if, I'm just going to put myself into their shoes for a second, but, like, for me, I think you, you have to, you have to get that closure. Like, closure yeah. is an important thing here for, mm-hmm. for me, and I'm sure for many, you know, listening. Yeah. So, I hope that eventually they can find that. Yeah. Because this has frustrated me and yeah. it's only been what an hour hour and a half <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right well yeah and like so because we because we covered the the episode um on episode uh 25 of this podcast we covered the boy in the box right we covered the joseph zarelli case that was 70 years later that they finally like got the technology advanced enough to like you know find his to find joseph zarelli's name to be able to give his name back to him and so like point being is that like i'm like like that case alone in and of itself like shattered like every single expectation for me to be able to say like like no like too much time has passed like if they haven't solved it by now like they're not going to solve it ever like nope there's no timeline on on this at all like they're like like take as much time as you need like i will i will personally never you know um you know believe that it's been too much too much time has passed to to be able to solve this case and i feel like i feel like there has to be something like it just it just takes something like there's a one piece that's missing here i feel like that is going to be able to blow this whole thing open. I really strongly believe that. No, yeah, and you can get that one piece in it. It, it may be 20 years, but, you mm-hmm. know, that's going to still provide, you know, those who, yeah. who love these people that sense of closure. So, I don't know, you know, I feel invested to this now. Yeah. But, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do Google searches here and there just to see, like, maybe, <laughs> yeah. you know, hopefully they're able to find, you know, who did this and, and why right. they did this. I think the why, to me, is more interesting than the... Mm-hmm than anything yeah i agree with that yeah and like and again we'll we'll definitely be be popping back into your feeds if there are any sort of updates in this case for sure um so keep your you know notifications on for this podcast um and also get your google alerts out you know and you know send stuff our way if if something you know if if you see something before we do because we want to we want to get on top of that for this kind of case for sure, because it is, I, I I will never be able to stop thinking about how all this played out. I just I just won't. So, but you know, I just have to say that is all that we have for you this week. So, Clay, thank you so much for coming on. It was so great talking about this case with you. Yeah, Liam, thanks for having me. Of course, like uh, I've been, this has been a moment of anticipation for me for a while. So, uh, <laughs> really enjoyed it. You know, you know, the case was very interesting. It really had my gears just. All out of whack, honestly. And the wine, pretty darn good as well. So, (laughs) you know, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I do have to say, to talk about the wine again, um, because now that I'm, like, drinking it again, I'm, I'm, like, halfway through now, like, the um, the lime flavors here are are going a good bit. And so uh, that is definitely coming out, like, a lot more as the the more it aerates and the more it comes out. So Yeah, absolutely. And I'm more than halfway in. So, you know, all all of those Slate Hills over in Germany, Germany. Yeah, I appreciate right. you very much. We may have to go visit the Slate Hills in Germany and try to maybe do like wine tasting or two. So, you know. I, I'm not. I'm not against. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell everyone where they can find you and your work online, Clay. Okay, so you know, obviously, I worked with Liam at um, here in Chattanooga. I was a meteorologist for a while, but now I actually work at a transportation company here in Chattanooga. But you can still follow me. I have my facebook page still active so like occasionally i'll post on that but not as much but 
you know, meteorologist Clay Smith, go ahead and, uh, and, and put in a search. And if you want a personalized forecast, you know, I might be your guy. Hey, if you if you really just want like super hyper local hyper local weather, that's my key. Well, thank you again so much for coming on, and thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you are just want, loving this podcast and are just wondering how you can tell anyone and everyone about it, the best way to help others discover this podcast is by leaving us a five star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week, here's a quick sneak peek. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. And I'm Melissa Rosano. Next week, we are bringing you the story of a bizarre secret that a town in northwest Missouri has kept for more than 40 years. It's a complicated story that begs one question. How far will the people of Skidmore, Missouri go to hide the ugly side of town? You'll find out next Wine Wednesday for another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.